Hi, I'm Caitlin. Hi, I'm Rebecca. We're not from Memphis, but we love it. Welcome to Memphis Type History, the podcast. All right, Caitlin, uh, good morning to you. Good good afternoon and good evening and good night to <laughs> yes. you. It is a p.m. over here in Memphis, <laughs> Tennessee. I wanted to present a Memphis story for you, Caitlin. Oh, a Memphis story? Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, we're going to talk about Memphis. <laughs> this is so surprising. Ooh, I'm so excited. I haven't talked about Memphis with you in forever. <laughs> I know. You're going to be really surprised. Can I just tell you what the topic is and that I was pleasantly surprised to learn so much more about this topic? I wanted, I've always been interested in the goats at Silky Sullivan's. Many times I've walked down Beale Street and seen goats and I've stopped in my tracks because I don't know about you, but if you see live animals, you're wondering why are they there? Because it's not in a setting like a farm or a ranch or somebody's house. This is on a the historic downtown Beale Street of downtown Memphis, a big enough city. And I, I just want to make sure people know what street we're really talking about. Yes. Because um, while you may view it as an important historical street, others may view it as the party street of Memphis. Mm-hmm. So just want to orient everyone. Mm-hmm. As a street where you can get a lot of... Uh, food, mostly, and music, blues, B.B. Uh, King's famous bar is there, uh, as well as Pork with Attitude. <laughs> what is that one? More recently, you can, uh, you can visit Jerry Lawler's new restaurant, The King, Jerry the King Lawler, all you wrestling fans. Forgive me for pronouncing his name wrong, if I did. And uh, what else can you find there? A. Schwab, the oldest store in Memphis resides on that street. Yeah. So yeah, and on the corner of Beale Street and now known as B.B. Um, King, formerly known as Third Street, is mm-hmm. on that corner is Silky O'Sullivan's. Uh, painted, it says, we sell oysters. And they are also known for, well known for their diver, which is, oh, you know what? I meant to look this up. The diver is a famous drink that's served in a big bucket. I think it's like a gallon drink, and it's got, this is what I needed to look up, maybe vodka and a mix of fruitiness. And can we do that now, actually? All right, I am pulling up a trip review. Okay. Trip advisor review that says, all right, just don't get the diver. (laughs) Right, which I have. I can't bring myself to the diver. Do you want to know why? Well, this says they won't tell you what's in it, but it was nasty. And afterward, we Googled it to find out it was a little bit of everything. Basically, probably just what's left in bottles. Yes. <laughs> so it's one of those things that you just have to have it. If you go with a group, you should have the diver. I can't bring myself to it because I go by myself. So why, I can't just be drinking out of a big bucket. They say and, it's a secret what's in it. Well, that's another reason to try it then. Now that I'm in suspense, maybe I'll just <laughs> take a walk down there for lunch and have one after all. How about when I'm back in town, we have Memphis type history meeting as usual at the arcade. And then we go to Silky's <laughs> for a little pre-gaming. And then we go record our live episodes after we drink a gallon of mystery alcohol. Oh, yes. It'll be quite an accomplishment if we can finish one of those. 
Um, everyone, if you'd like to see that happen, go to patreon.com slash Memphis Dive History and donate to our diver fund. Yes. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll get that thing. All right. Yeah. We, I don't know what's in it, but I think any alcohol you name is probably in there. Soaky Sullivan's known for the diver and for their beer drinking goats. Okay. What? Yes. You look at, you'll notice that there are famous beer drinking goats there, but they don't drink beer anymore. We'll get to that. First, I'd like to talk about what Silky Sullivan's looks like for anybody who has never seen the place. Have you been there before? I have not been there. Okay, well, I'll get to explain to you, and then if you have any questions, you let me know. Okay. It's uh, it's bar slash restaurant. You go in, they have the dual piano bar set up on a stage. That's kind of a, a nice setup they have. Do you often request songs at dueling piano bars? Oh, I do. What is your song that you normally go for? Uh, it just sort of depends on what mood I'm in and what I can think up. I try to think of songs that, like, could they really do that? And if they do, I'm super impressed, which could be, like, Four Non Blondes or whatever. You like to challenge them. Yeah, but because they're good, they're so good, they can produce anything. You know, the Titanic or whatever. Do you give big tips to the piano men that are able to meet your requests? I hope so. I don't generally remember. <laughs> <laughs> of the night I hope so because you've been having too many divers it's been a long time since I've been in a piano bar but yes no I nix the I don't do the divers <laughs> but anyhow yeah uh, Silky's also has an outdoor it's a good size outdoor seating patio area okay. and that's where you'll find two goats and they live in this fenced in section of their outdoor area They have a tower that they can walk up, and I'll post pictures on our show notes so you can see. And those will be at memphistypehistory.com slash goats? Yes, Uh, because goats do like heights, so they, you Mm -hmm. know, they'll climb up there. And for anybody who's a Radiolab fan, they're automatically thinking about the goat on the cow story, like learning that goats can jump on cows. Anyhow, there are no cows. It is just a a little tower, a, actually a good sized tower, and they have essentially a doghouse, but for their size. So if they need to take shelter or cozy up, they have a little house there. So yeah, so that's Silky O'Sullivan's. All of this is just to say I was interested in the goats, and my goal was to speak with somebody at the restaurant bar to ask what is the history behind the goats. Why do you have goats? It seems like it's just an odd mix. And so I went and I interviewed Joellen Sullivan. She is the current owner of Silky O'Sullivan's. Silky was her husband, but he passed away in 2013. So she's been running the show, and she taught me so much about Irish culture, about Silky himself. So I'm going to be talking to you. I'm going to be telling you a lot more than just the history of the goats, if you're okay with that. Yeah. Are they actually like Irish-Irish or are they like Irish heritage? I think Irish heritage, but I could be wrong. You know, I didn't ask them how much Irish they have in their blood, but they basically may as well be Irish because of how much they have visited Ireland and they have friends out there. You'll learn more about them and their part in Irish culture. Okay. Do you want to state in your name? Sure. Joellen Sullivan, okay. and that's spelled one word, J-O-E-L-L-Y-N, okay. Sullivan. And Silky was my husband. Was that his original name? Or his real name uh, is Thomas Daniel Sullivan, 
Uh, and so through high school, he was known as Tommy, and uh, he had a very extensive college career. And while he was away at college uh, for seven years in seven institutions, he um, uh, was nicknamed with uh, the name of a racehorse that was very popular at the time called Silky Sullivan. And that's where his nickname came from. So, And then the original, Silky started uh, uh, Silky's in Oberton Square, which was the original entertainment district in Memphis, and he started as Silky's. Then he had a second location uh, moved within Oberton Square, and that was Silky Sullivan's. And that stayed in place until 1998. In 92, we opened Silky O'Sullivan's here because Silky says that in Ireland, the, the tradition is to add an O for the son of. So if you're, the father's name was Sullivan, the son's name would be O'Sullivan. So the logic for Silky was that this would be Silky O'Sullivan. So it's like the Bill Street one is the son of yeah. his original bar. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. And in addition, in two th- between 2000 and 2005, they had a location in New Orleans, and they closed that one this spring right before Katrina hit. And if wow. anybody's listening that doesn't know what Katrina is, that is the major hurricane that blew the levees in New Orleans and caused a great disaster. So they were pretty lucky. We closed the spring before Katrina. Whoa, what exactly. timing? Exactly. Uh, end of April, and Katrina wow. was in August. So we okay, I usually have, uh, used to have a moment every day when I was grateful for that. Now it's every week or two. I have a moment to reflect on my gratitude for getting yeah, out when what, we did. So, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Woo. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that feeling that uh, happening. You're like, we right. just got out. Oh there. yeah, right. But we learned a lot of lessons down in New Orleans uh, about being in the restaurant business and some things just in a different market. It was a whole lot of a whole lot of fun okay. to be there. John Elkington, who's the manager of Beale Street at the time, he's the one that wanted Silky to open on Beale Street. And in, in all honesty, Silky was hesitant about opening on Beale Street. So I'm going to tell you how that happened because it's interesting. Okay, yeah, because there's, like, nothing there Yeah, at this time, right? Yeah. I mean, it, was, it was like B.B. King's. That was it. Yeah, Overton Square was a hot spot. And he, John Elkington, who was the manager of Beale Street, approached Silky and said, I really want you to open a location on Beale Street. And Silky was hesitant, but he knew he was available. And in the meantime, Silky has a friend named Babe Howard, who is from Millington, Tennessee. And believe it or not, Millington has an interesting history in goats. They have goat days every year. There's a lot of goats that are raised in Millington, and Babe liked goats. So Silky took Babe Howard and some of his friends to Ireland for a festival weekend that's called Puck Fair, P-U-C-K. And Puck is Gaelic for goat. And this is a 600-year-old festival that honors the goat in Ireland in Calorgalan. And Silky has been going to Calorgalan forever. He has great friends in Calorgalan. And uh, for this festival, uh, the reason he wanted Babe to go was that they crown a goat. They capture a mountain goat, and uh, the goat uh, is king of the fair for three days. He's raised up on a platform. Uh, given a crown. I've got a picture. I took a picture of one of the pucks. They have a picture of him at the restaurant, so I took a picture and I'll, I'll post it. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, well, let me tell you the legend of this fair. 
Okay. Okay. So 600 years ago, everyone was minding their own business and... As they do. All of a sudden, <laughs> as they do, yeah. As people do at the beginning yes. of stories. <laughs> yes, in Kalorgalan uh, village. And all the village people started noticing that the mountain goats were among them. And it clicked that the mountain goats had come down from the mountains, which meant that they had seen invaders on their way. And so they knew what was going on. They prepared for war. And they won the battle that day, thanks to the mountain goats. And so since then, yeah, they've had a festival in August that celebrates the goat, also known as Puck Fair. I have so many thoughts about this story, but uh, I can't even get into them. Okay. I love that story. It's so funny. When Silky took Babe to Ireland, and he was loved it, just thought it was wonderful. He knew what we were doing in, in Memphis at in Overton Square and he wanted to go into business with Silky in opening Silky O'Sullivan's here. And so after that time of opening here, then Silky's dream was that we should have a goat. <laughs> and so <laughs> there you go. And the first goat they possessed or not owned, um, <laughs> they named him Killian's after the Irish beer. So oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. And I also wanted to talk to you, as I learned, that live animals have a history in downtown, being that there was a butcher shop on Beale Street uh, predating refrigeration. That's not live animals. Those are dead animals, Rebecca. Well, no, they had live animals because they didn't have a refrigeration. No, 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 live animals. They had to... Uh, they, yeah, people picked out their live animal and then they became dead. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Because when you think about goats, I think a lot of people probably think, Is that sanitary? Can you have that? Where can you walk into a restaurant and see live animals, Mm. right? There's got to be some kind of um, restrictions, regulations, or whatever. So looking back into the past, um, there were live animals on Beale Street Mm. for the shop. Also, the Pinch District was occupied by many poor Irish immigrants who couldn't afford a cow, and they had a goat for fresh milk. So a lot of live animals lived in the Pinch District as well. And Silky got their goat cleared through the local health department. The city council passed a special ordinance at Silky's request for Killians to thrive on their property. Aw. Yeah. So he he worked hard for his goats to be living there. We got it cleared with the local health department. And then one day, Silky got a phone call and said, said, come down here. There's, as Silky would say, five KGB-looking agents that are down here in suits with briefcases and say that if... If we don't get rid of our goats by 5 o'clock, they're going to put a padlock on their, on the door. So Silky came down here to meet them, and his first words to them were, you know, did you know, why are you here? And they're like, well, we're from the state health department, and we supersede anything that Memphis or Shelby County Health Department has to say, and we want you to know if you don't get these goats out of here by 5 o'clock, we're going to put a padlock on your door. And Silky's like... I can't believe y'all have wasted my time in this way. He said, did y'all not talk to my goat's lawyer? The goat has a lawyer? Absolutely. It was a, a, one of the law professors at the University of Memphis. He also had a great advocate in the um, lieutenant governor of the state of Tennessee at the time who really loved goats as well. 
But they they said we did talk to your lawyer, and he said, and what did they what did he tell you? He said, well, he said you would take this to the Supreme Court. He said that's exactly right. I will take this as far as I need to go to get permission for my goats to live here. And uh, the, the the health department fellows said, well, you know, what what is the you know what's the argument? He said, well, you know, the first question that I'm going to ask when we get before the Supreme Court. What poops the most, two goats or five ducks? And so, yes, you get the connection. Um, oh, snap. Yes, and which is... Laying down some Memphis burns. Yes. So if you're not familiar with what the five ducks reference is, Memphis holds the very historic hotel called the Peabody with five ducks in their logo because the five ducks are such a staple to that hotel and the history of that hotel. Five ducks swim in the lobby's fountain every day from 9 to 5 while people are sitting around lounging, drinking tea or drinks, eating some hors d'oeuvres, appetizers. So the main point is they're not going to get rid of their ducks because that's a big part of Memphis. (laughs) And so the health department said, okay, have a good day. And that was the end of that. They knew better. Yes. Well, there is a PETA veterinarian. PETA, the... Animal rights people. The animal rights people. Thank you. Not the delicious bread. Yes. Or the guy from Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He visited because a lot of people have had questions of, are the goats being treated right? There are some who think that our goats um, are deprived in some way. Uh, because they have their own house and their own uh, shed and that they eat goat food and have clean water and are revered. And when the PETA veterinarian came, all he could do was shake his head and say, these are the luckiest goats in the whole wide (laughs) world. (laughs) Nobody takes as good a care and cares as much about goats as these goats that live here at Silky. So we're even PETA vet approved. Very good. So there you go. Killian's, their first goat, he's an award-winning stud, okay? But just so you know, a little info about goats in general. When the male goat hits puberty, they get get pheromones that make them stink by the day. And so Killian's was one of those goats, and they took him off to the vet to have him neutered. And Killian stayed gone uh, for about 10 days, and this is a very simple procedure. And um, we finally called the veterinarian and said, where is our goat? And uh, he said, I'll have him there this afternoon. Well, Killian was, you know, stood four feet high and was five feet long. I mean, he was a gorgeous, big honking goat. (laughs) And we got this little goat, same coloring, okay? But, I mean, this thing stood, you know, a couple of feet tall and a couple of feet long, and we're like... Like, we wouldn't notice that there was a difference, you know? We're like, this isn't our goat. And the veterinarian's like, oh, didn't I tell you? Uh, Killian didn't survive the surgery. Well, well, what we know to be true Uh is that vet did not neuter that goat. Killian returned to his life as an award-winning stud goat. (laughs) And we we got a smaller version back. But one of the things that worked well about that 
is once goats go through puberty and they develop that pheromone, it's there forever. Yeah. So Killian was going to lose his manhood for nothing. So, um, you know, we got back a precious, neutered, pre-puberty, never to be smelly male goat that was that lived a very happy and long life <laughs> here. So, uh, and that was, um, and, and we named him Killian II or Deuce. <laughs> so, so they stole him? That's the belief. At least that's what I gathered is Killian's is off was off, went off to live, you know, to be a good show goat and get some some love and awards. Okay. And then the most famous goat that they've had went by the name of Maynard. Have you heard of Maynard? No. Okay. He's the most famous goat because he is the ultimate beer drinking goat. So if you YouTube beer drinking goats, you probably find videos of Maynard drinking. He's very sociable, very gorgeous, although he did just have one horn. But he's still gorgeous. He's okay. also the lucky goat. Okay. When the Grizzlies first came to Memphis and they were playing out of the pyramid, they weren't doing so well. They kept losing. And Silky convinced them that they needed to bring a lucky goat. And so a crew comes out. One of the main guys who took Maynard everywhere was a guy named Dennis Flanagan, who was also at the interview with me with Joellen. And he brought a big stash of lucky clovers or shamrocks in a bag. And what they did is they marched with Maynard around the pyramid and they, they threw out lucky shamrocks. And lo and behold, the grizzlies started doing better. What? The reason the grizzlies are what they are is because of a goat? <laughs> you could con- possibly contribute Maynard. This is amazing. Uh-huh. Jerry West was the coach at the time. And during the NBA draft, which is about a 30-minute long national broadcast, Maynard's name was mentioned three times. And the Grizzlies got their number two pick. So Jerry West gives that credit to Maynard for that. Wow. If you go into Silkies, there is also a jersey given to him by the Memphis Tigers because he brought good luck to the Tigers. And Maynard predicted the Mike Tyson versus Lennox Sorry, yeah, Lennox Lewis Heavyweight Championship in 2002. And uh, it was here at the FedEx Forum. And um, uh, the, uh, that was back when uh, Jay Leno uh, was the host of The Tonight Show and had mobilized a, um, one of his uh, traveling representatives to come to Memphis and do some things on the ground. And, and of course, he came to meet Maynard. And uh, they got uh, Silky had Maynard educated that um, one of his front hoops was going to be Tyson and the other one was going to be Lennox Lewis. And uh, when he asked him to shake, whichever hoof it was used was going to be the winner of the heavyweight championship. And he, he picked the right one. Picked the right one. So, so but Maynard was was very what a celebrity. He, oh, he was what like, a celebrity. What, what was the name of the voodoo queen down in New Orleans when we went down there? Oh, Rimbaud what was that woman's name? Or something. Yeah, she was. Well, and they went to break the curse on the uh, Superdome. on the Superdome. Yeah, yeah for the uh, uh, Saints. Saints. Yeah. New Orleans Saints. And Maynard uh, was a special guest in a Mardi Gras parade. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, Silky was the Grand Marshal. Uh, for the Shangri-La, crew of Shangri-Las, um, uh, Mardi Gras parade. 
How did Silky get that started with Maynard? <laughs> like, how did he become the lucky goat? And... Oh well, that's just typical Smoke. Silky. That's just Silk. That's that's very classic, typical, not unusual. Uh, silky stuff. That's he convinced just, somebody that oh, yeah, Maynard yeah. was the lucky goat. Absolutely. Well, he went and took him down, and well, he proved it. He so brought he Maynard down. Oh yeah, but he t- he proved it. He took Maynard down to the pyramid, and the Grizzlies started winning, and they got the number two draft pick. You know, facts are facts. Maynard also got asked to head up to Chicago to break the curse on the Cubs. So they marched around Wrigley Field with their lucky clovers, the lucky shamrocks. And a reception was held for Maynard at the Billy Goat Tavern. Does that sound familiar? I think I've been there. Have you? I think so. So Maynard was asked to go there, and <laughs> the Cubs were on a pretty positive path to winning. But that was the year that the awful and very memorable game to so many Cubs fans of the fan who interfered with the foul ball. Does that sound familiar? No, I don't know any sports stories. You'll have to tell me. <laughs> okay, no. I had to look this up because I was so curious. And you probably do know this. Last year was a really big deal for the Cubs. Do you know right. why? Well, yes. they won some stuff. They some won games. the World Series. That's right. They did. <laughs> yes. I was hesitant to say it because I was like, <laughs> maybe they actually lost in the end. I don't remember. <laughs> no, it was so exciting. Even if you weren't a fan, like, you know, it was just like, the Cubs, they won. And after I interviewed a Joe Allen and, and listened to this story, I thought, I got to look into this and see what game they're talking about. It's interesting because the Cubs really did have a curse on them. And, and not only that, in 1945 is when this curse began, and it's called the Billy Goat Curse. Okay? Yeah. So Maynard couldn't help them, really. Well, I kind of think... Maynard was part of the problem. They thought, no, no, no. <laughs> He's this a goat. This is 1945. It's these goats. No, no, no. Well, they, I'm wondering if maybe they thought, like, maybe the lucky goat can break the curse of the primary goat. Okay. Okay. Because the story goes, the last time that the Cubs had competed in a World Series was in 1945. And that was when, during Game 4, a man by the name of Billy Cyanus attended the game with two box seat tickets, one for him and one for his goat. And they paraded around... For a few innings, this was at Wrigley Field, but Wrigley demanded that the goat leave the park due to its unpleasant odor. Oh, it was not neutered. Pro- yes. As we learned, <laughs> the male goats will let off that bad pheromone. Oh, man. Pheromones. But so on their way out, Cyanus uttered, the Cubs, they ain't going to win no more. Okay? Okay. So that's where it started. What? Wow. Yeah. So the Cubs lost that game. They lost the series, and they didn't return until the 2016 World Series. And that's why it was such a huge deal. And the game when Maynard went out and they were kind of winning, and it was such a big deal that they lost, is because poor fan named Steve Bartman reached out for the ball. He was trying to grab it, and I haven't watched the video. I, I don't blame him, but the catcher really thought he could have caught it had that guy not interfered, and that cost him the game. And poor Steve Bartman got, like, death threats and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. I, rem- I do know about that. Do you? Okay. I, vaguely, yeah. Yeah, it was big. It was big deal. So that's about Maynard. Now, I do want to say that above how cool these goats are, I want to talk a little bit more about Silky, if that's okay. Yeah. Because I really regret that I didn't get to meet him. He seems he was just such a quirky character. The fact that he decided that Maynard 
was a lucky goat. He also, Joe Allen tells us that he introduced our barbecue to Ireland, oh, which cool. is a pretty big deal. Yeah. yeah. He had taken uh, a group over uh, on a tour of Ireland and, uh, and it lingered behind uh, to visit friends and that sort of thing. And um, someone said, come with me, we'll take you and show you an Irish barbecue. And there was a little ditch that had been dug with a bed of coal, okay, coal in the there as the heat source. Pig on a spit turning in the air over this heat source. And they pulled off a hunk of this meat and put it on a piece of Irish soda bread with some ketchup and said, there you go, Irish barbecue. And Silky was so offended with the thought that he decided that um, as a return gift to his native country, he would bring Ireland, bring barbecue to Ireland as his gift uh, from Memphis. So the next year uh, he had worked um, uh, with, with some to um, bring 40 American barbecue teams over to Ireland and put on uh, really the first international barbecue. barbecue That's that's right. And uh, so, uh, but uh, they did not know what charcoal was. They did not know anything about, you know, smoking meat like we do. And so, but now they do. Uh, If you went to Ireland now and went to a grocery store, you're going to find commercial barbecue sauces uh, or mostly cottage, you know, boutique uh, spices and sauces on the shelf. You'll find uh, barbecue seasoned chicken in the deli. Really? Uh, yeah, you'll find ribs. Yeah, so what and was all the of that. Year that he brought that over. Uh, that was uh, that was in the early '80s. So uh, and he, now there's an international barbecue society. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, he took barbecue to Ireland, uh, Estonia before while it was still part of the Soviet Union. Um, Sweden took the first American football game to Sweden and did a barbecue demonstration in the parking lot. Uh, did a barbecue demonstration for a puck fair. Uh, and another festival that they have in Galway over there. But uh, Bangkok, uh, uh, Jamaica, Bahamas, Cuba. What? Yeah. So barbecue was around the world. And, and, and we had no idea when we went to New Orleans and opened in 2000 down there. We knew we had to do some kind of food. It's such a food mecca. We'd have to do something. But we did not feel comfortable trying to do anything that they were already doing so well so we decided our only thing to do was barbecue and we had no idea that the people of New Orleans for all their culinary um, depth did not know anything about smoking meat and what barbecue was all about you know just another uh, you know missionary trip yeah. Uh, for uh, He's spreading the, that's exactly right so getting <laughs> give us me, yeah so wow. but pretty fun but like I said these are stories that are just part of what Silky's done all his life yeah. he, this guy like he doesn't do anything a little bit it's exactly. like he goes all in on something it sounds like yes and this year will be the 44th annual Silky Sullivan St. Patrick's Parade which I think by the time people listen to this podcast, it'll be over, but it's still 2016. The parade was named after Silky in 2014, which is a year after he passed away. Yeah. The parade started 
downtown and ended at Silky Sullivan's in Overton Square when it was there, mm-hmm. which is a big parade. There was one year when Silky and Mark Flanagan, who he was working with, uh, Mark Flanagan is Dennis Flanagan's brother, who I'd mentioned earlier as the guy who took Maynard everywhere. One year they decided that Memphis should have their own king-like puck, but instead have a pig, and they called it King Muck, since Muck is Gaelic for pig. And the pig <laughs> would be declared king and untouchable for any barbecuing for a year. So that's a pretty good deal. Just a year. Yeah. Then we're going to eat him. Yes. Although Mark Flanagan, uh, they didn't really have a nice setup for the pig to stay for, you know, a good duration of time. I think they were planning on keeping it in a nice place for three days and then making sure he didn't get barbecued. But Mark Flanagan took it home because he's like, I'll just leave it in my backyard for a couple of days until we find a place. But his three-year-old daughter answered the door and she's like, oh, daddy, I love it so much. And (laughs) yeah. Oh, no. So she thought it was a gift and they ended up keeping it for the entire year. Then they ate it? And then they ate it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, they sent it to a farm or something like that. Sure, sent it to the farm. Off to the It plays all day in the sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. Makes webs with Charlotte. Where all those dogs go. It's the same farm all the dogs went to. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, so I just want to end it with Joellen. And I was so grateful that she spent the time to talk to me about just a, a lot of these stories that just made Sullivan's so much more of a bigger deal than beer drinking goats. And she said before Silky passed away, it was usually her job to say no. That was my job. And so now, uh, you know, it's, uh, I I say yes a lot more because we don't think up nearly as much as Silky did. And uh, so, but we, we, we try and think out of the box when we can and we all make a point to try and say what would Silky do and not pass up you know, those opportunities. So. Well, I'm glad you're keeping it going. Yeah, that's our plan. Wow. That's it. Okay, I have a follow-up question. Yes, please. Do the goats actually drink beer? Yes. And, <laughs> uh, well, no, no, they don't anymore because there was one goat that they didn't, that was on medication and they didn't realize that the beer would react to the medication. Oh. And that caused problems. So they built a double fence and now the goats do not drink beer anymore. But they used to just like like restaurant patrons could let could give them beer to drink, or they just like did it for the beer isn't bad for the goats. It's because they're it's grain based, uh, mm. and there was a story about or one of the employees had mentioned that there was a vet who had shown up and said, "Oh, these guys think that they're trashing those goats, but they don't realize that the beer basically or their bellies basically ferment the beer because it's like grain or something like that." Ah. Huh. Was it the thieving vet or a different vet? Yeah, I think these are all different vets. <laughs> but uh, now I forgot to mention they do. They only have girls now because of the pheromone thing. And Smart. the the two goats they have on the property now are Zena and Angelina. Go take a look at them. Go Aww. say hello to the goats. Well, that was fantastic, Rebecca. I think this. Thanks. This was like the best episode so far. This is amazing. I don't know. I really liked your radio. Radio. Wrap-up notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, head over to memphistypehistory.com slash goats for show notes and pictures and good stuff. Head over to patreon.com slash memphistypehistory. That's where you can support the show. We'd love to be able to keep going. We could really use your support to do that. You can support for as little as a dollar a month, and you'll get access to Cutting Room Floor, which is all the tangents and goodies that you did not hear here on this official episode as well as other behind-the-scenes sneak peeks of things, 
and get to know us a little bit more. You can suggest podcast episodes you want to hear. You can get some merch if you want to pay pay a little bit more than a buck a month to support our show. You can get some merch. Do it. And I think that's it. Yeah, support the show. Go rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Well, that's it for Beer Drinking Goats. Thank you. And we like your type. You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. It would mean so much to us if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. Want to be part of Memphis Type History and get behind-the-scenes content, merch, and more? Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash memphistypehistory. That's Patreon, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash memphistypehistory. Find more Memphis Type History on our blog at memphistypehistory.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as Memphis Type History, and on Twitter at Memphis Type. <laughs>